Welcome to the Then What 3x5 podcast with Then What founder Grant Barth. The goal of this show is simple. We'll invite global creatives, innovators, and business leaders to share their unique perspectives and join us on a journey to find out how industry-leading brands are powering growth by exploring the role and influence of art and culture on their organizations. Welcome, everyone, to Then What's 3x5 series. We bring together people that we find interesting around the world, and today... I have two extremely interesting people, and I always say I'm excited to have these conversations, but it is true. Today is is great because we have Julie Tibbalt and CC Meadows, and I feel that we're actually going to get to know each other a bit better and hopefully learn along the way and share some experience and some advice that we hope everyone can use. So welcome, Julie, and welcome, Cece. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having Julie, us, Grant. You're very, very welcome. Well, Julie, why don't we start with you? Um, you have so much great global experience, and you're you're kind of taking things into new directions as well. So, introduce yourself to the to the audience. Well, hi everyone. My name is Julie Tebow, and let's see. I started my career um, in finance and private equity and banking. And then after business school, thought that it would be fun to do brand strategy. And from there ended up kind of falling into the beauty world. I took a job at Chanel doing strategy and stayed there for 14 years doing sales and marketing and finance and ended up in my last role as a head of retail innovation for Global Beauty. And after leaving them, I started my own strategic consulting firm called Martingale Advisors, where, yes, we work with some beauty companies, but also different industries, real estate and fashion. And I think for me, my passion is ultimately consumers and figuring out why consumers do what they do and helping solve some of the problems that exist. I love the part about, I mean, I'm, we're an innovator or that on my team as innovators at their core, we come from big global brands that have always used that innovation, innovation and creativity to solve problems. And Cece, you are an innovator on a completely different <laughs> level, starting from makeup artist and also with a background in banking, but you have some, since we've been working together, just talking, you've really had some amazing success. So why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, my name is Cece Meadows, and I'm the founder and CEO of Prados Beauty. Um, we recently just launched under the 13 Loon Shop in Shop in JCPenney's. And so I'm super proud of that. People are saying that, well, not just people, but it's fact that we're the first Chicana and indigenous owned beauty brand in a mega retailer. And so it's pretty exciting. I'd say that's very exciting. It's like you, what you did, your vision from the ground up. And we always say it then what niche is the new mass, right? So really developing communities and smaller audiences are what the future is all about. Really being the advocate for them and understanding their needs really intimately. What has been the response from the community to your commitment and your success recently? 
I think, you know, for us as a, us, you know, I started my brand in my baby's nursery with $150 and just this, you know, this dream that one day I would be a global beauty brand. And when you think about when people start businesses, like, do they start that small in like that authentic, just simple setting? Or is it something that's always, you know, partnered by investors and, you know, people who have experience in working in that type of industry? When I started, I was a New York Fashion Week makeup artist, and I just loved everything about fashion and makeup and runways and stuff like that. But I just disliked the marginalization of our people in that industry. And so I wanted to change that. And so in my little girl's nursery, um, I often worked when my family was asleep and grew that $150 into a promise that I would always, always stay true to my initial mission, which was to amplify and create beautiful products with indigenous and Chicano people on the boxes and tell our story correctly. You know, um, you find a lot of cultural appropriation in, you know, fashion and in makeup. And those big companies never give back a penny to the indigenous cultures and the indigenous peoples and reservations um, that need it the most because it's, you know, October 2021 and there are reservations right now where people are living with no electricity or running water. But you have this concept or this idea in your mind that, you know, all native people live on reservations with casinos and, you know, that's not true. That's so far from the truth. And so um, I know that we're making our people proud, our relatives proud. Um, I'm Yaki and Comanche, but I have a diverse group of friends who are Navajo and Cherokee and Choctaw and, you know, um, Cree and Ojibwe and just from different nations, you know, and who are also um, indigenous to other places like Polynesians um, from Samoa or native Hawaiians. And so to be able to have a connection to those different cultures and to be able to tell their stories correctly from their perspectives and from their history, I think it makes people so much, you know, so proud to see us actually be in, um, a mega retailer and you know they watched the journey since day one i started my instagram from day one you know um and so they've watched me move from my baby's room into our first warehouse into our office and you know now into jc so they're really excited for us and um our commitment to giving back never changes and so one of the very first things that i said at our grand opening was that i was so excited for the giving opportunities that we were gonna be able to have now because of being able to scale. And, um, you know, I also started our nonprofit so that other people could contribute to, you know, what I do um, on, you know, both scales of being an entrepreneur and being a philanthropist. So I'm really excited about that. 
That's great. It's I love when brands stand for more than just the products they sell, right? And and it's so strong. And Julie, you've you worked with one of the most powerful global luxury brands, and you're innovating around new businesses today. Kind of what? How do you see kind of that experience being applicable to what CC does? I mean, I think. Well, one of the reasons that Chanel, I think, is so unique is that it is operated with a very French mentality, not an American one. And so it has a, a view for the long term. And one of the things that Cece is talking about that resonates is mission. And what, what I learned for many years there is that, yes, while we all work there to get a salary and it is a for-profit organization, there was this mission that really drove everything that happened, which was about creating dreams, creating beautiful things, craftsmanship and artisanship and the investments in the company in in French savoir-faire was basically know-how that wouldn't exist without subsidization from embroidery to button making and the, the focus on the product. So I think as I work with new businesses now, it's very easy when you start, you know, everyone's like, what's your addressable market? And how are you going to make money? And that's all really important. But if you're going to ask people to work in a startup and you're going to ask them to give them all, there needs to be something more, like something greater that they're working towards. Especially, I, I like what you said, Grant, and I always say that to me, marketing, you know, community is the new marketing. If you don't really define who your community is and how you're going to serve their needs, whatever your business, and create a mission around that, eventually at some point you get lost along the way. I mean, I kind of think about, you know, they're huge now, but Airbnb, I think their mission was like to live like a local versus some other huge companies now where it's like, hey, we just want to, you know, like Uber, I want to make ride sharing or taxis better and simpler and more accessible and car services. I think that having a mission that is bigger than that is important no matter the size of your company if you want to have staying power. Yeah, it's so true. Even you know, that was the conversation I had today, just just along our own mission and vision, you know, for then what? It's very easy, especially in times of high growth or in times of you know, turbulence where you get really caught in the tactical day to day and you can easily lose sight of the vision and mission and you have to kind of pull up a little bit and remind yourself like what what's it all about? What are you really trying to drive, you know, as the as the end state is the end goal? What similarities between um, you know, that startup mentality and goal brand I mean vision and mission is one, but Cece, what do you aspire to be? Like, you know, do you aspire to be a global brand or are you just kind of taking it day to day and one step at a time? I think for me, like ultimately that's the goal. I have a dream board of my life goals and then I have a dream board for my yearly goals. And then I have a, like a monthly goal that we put together, but my life goal 
you know, it, it does include being a global beauty brand, you know, being, um, we already ship, you know, we're D to C, you know, 95% D to C. And then we have the JC Penney's 13 loon account, but we mostly do D to C. And so we're already starting to ship, you know, internationally. I would love to be able to have hubs in different parts of the world where it makes it easier for people to access our, you know, to, to ac access our goods. And so it's, for me, it's, it feels like it's slow and steady right now, just because we're, you know, growing at such a high, if you think about, we started in 2019, we launched our first products in July of 2019. And then, you know, now being in JCPenney's and the first 10 stores and then trying to scale, they um, hope to be in 600 stores by 2023. And so when you think about how big that growth is and how fast that growth is, and we're a small independently owned and operated company, you, you think about what is the end game? Like what is, um, you know, how do we stay true to what we said at the beginning, which was that we would always amplify um, indigenous peoples in our story. But for me, it's to one day be a world renowned, world known global beauty brand. Like that's, that's what I want to do. So I have children. <laughs> I tell them daily, I'm building this empire for you guys so that one day I, I hope at least two of the four will want to do something with the business that that's, you know, I talk a lot about building generational wealth, not just for myself, but for the people that work for me. Um, it, it's hard to, you know, create generational wealth. They say that in black and brown families, it takes up to eight generations um, for you to get out of like poverty. And so I would love to be able to do that without it taking eight generations. <laughs> That's really great. That's, yeah, you will do it. But you know, Cece, there's something that you said about amplifying the voice of indigenous people that you know, I grew up, I'm 45 years old, and I grew up in Hawaii. I'm native Hawaiian in the, you know, the early 80s. And I was obsessed with like all the models you saw. I would go to the library because that's where I could see fashion magazines mm -hmm. and Christy Brinkley and Olivia Newton-John. And those were the faces I saw. And I remember getting, I had blonde Barbies and getting a brunette Barbie. And I refused to play with the brunette Barbie because I wanted to be Olivia Newton-John because that's what I saw reflected in the media that I looked up to. And we've come so far but really not far enough. So I love what you were saying. I think that is an amazing mission and desperately needed. The same for me. I grew up, my aunt was the first to go to college in our family. And she would come home on like summer break or spring break or Christmas break. And her and her friends would walk in with their big 80s hair and all their Cosmo and like Vogue magazines. And I was, you know, three, four and five at that time. And there's a picture of me sitting on the, the bathroom counter with 
big poofy 80s hair because they had combed my hair, done my hair and put lipstick on me. And every single person on all of the covers of those magazines never once looked anything like me. And they didn't look like them either. And so I was, you know, I guess you could say born into a world where there weren't people amplified or that looked like us. And that was the definition of what beauty is, right? So we call it Western cultures, you know, definition of what beauty is. And so when I became a published New York Fashion Week makeup artist, I remember one of the first pieces of my published work was on uh, Miss Universe and she's she's Filipina. And so I, I remember thinking to myself, how powerful is that, that I'm a, just a brown girl from the sticks doing makeup on a Filipina who's about to walk on the runway. Like we have come far, but we have not come far enough because her assistant asked me what indigenous meant. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> I was wearing a shirt that said, strong, resilient, indigenous on it. And she, she thought that it said indigenous. And I was like, no, it means indigenous. And so we went into this conversation about what it, you know, what being indigenous is. And, and she, she's like, oh, well, so I'm indigenous to my land because she was also Filipina. And I'm like, yeah, there's indigenous people to different continents, you know? And so I remember walking into my house and just running into the arms of my husband because I was so proud and so excited for that opportunity and yet so sad and so heartbroken that it was what 2018 2018 at the time wow. that we were still not seen in that in that community in that world and i wanted to change that because indigenous people um and not necessarily just from north america but south america you know um all over the world, indigenous people are beautiful and they come in different shapes and sizes and colors. And I think we're starting to do a good job of amplifying, you know, different cultures and colors, but there's still such a long way to go. And so I hope that my brand and what I'm building will be something that can change the way people think about different cultures and different peoples because we're in the communities. Um, we're on the magazines, we're on the runways, we're in the fashion shows, you know, we're on the websites, we're doing collaborations with those big names. And, and so I'm always so grateful for Grant, you know, ever since he um, was introduced to me, he's always been amazing about amplifying, you know, Prado's beauty and telling our story. And so, you know, and now Julie, you work for Chanel. It's like, those opportunities where you meet people and they share space with you, they share your story. That is what transcend, you know, transcends a small brand into a brand that's known amongst, you know, the bigger connections, the the big dogs in, in the, you know, in the industry. And so um, I'm just so grateful for that opportunity. So you know, I think you're coming at such an opportune time because, mm -hmm. but prior to the, you know, I'm going to sound really old, the advent of the internet, if you had a global brand in beauty, one of the few economies of scale you had was in production of advertising. 
So what you would do is you would spend all this money on some mega spokes model. <laughs> you know, Christy Brinkley back in the day, and Chanel, you could think of Nicole Kidman in number five. And they would try the, the vast production costs for those types of advertising that would go on TV and traditional prints would be advertised over all the countries. And that was one, that was the business model. But that meant that you had to find a model that was aspirational across Asia, the US, Europe, Latin America, and all the spaces in between. And that usually was a Western, as you said, a Western standard of beauty. Then what's been so great about the disruption of traditional print and TV and social media and actually this de-emphasis of these very slickly produced productions for advertising. And now it's like, you can create a great ad with an iPhone right. is that you can see all these different faces and young women today can look at women that are different shapes, sizes, colors that look like them. But I think what we need to do a better job is getting more of those people, not only as the faces of beauty and as but also as the makeup artists as the designers the creatives and the heads of the companies yeah i i think you've hit the nail on the head i i was reading an article once I, i'm a avid article reader i love to read articles <laughs> i love when they put you how long it's gonna take to read the article if it says two minutes that is my jam i have about two minutes to read a a you know, an article and I was reading an article where it was talking about how marketing strategies has changed in, you know, just the last three years where you used to, you know, where you used to find one model and put her on the face of everywhere, Times Square, you know, Tokyo, Japan on the big screen. And I've been there, I've been to Japan, I've been to that big screen and it's, it's indicative of what, we as humans allow and will let in as a definition of what beauty is. And so when you have tools like your iPhone and you have Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and Twitter and all of these different social media outlets that we use quite a bit, you start to build a community. You start to build a story. You start to tell the story of what beauty means to you as a brand. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, beauty doesn't include what Western society has declared of what beauty is because I have mixed children. You know, my husband is Caucasian and I'm Chicana and indigenous. And so I have to constantly be able to teach my children that beauty is inclusive, um, changing the definition of what beauty means to them starts at home. And so before I start feeding them those magazines that their aunt brings home from college, like mine did, or, you know, watching TV shows that's, you know, it, it starts at home. And so having those difficult conversations of what beauty meant to me as a kid and what beauty means to me now, I think it also has to do with education. It also has to do with opportunities to work in businesses as interns or, you know, just getting those opportunities to be a part of panels and then being the heads of departments and, you know, sharing the diversity of who you are as a person. I think that that, you know, it's, it's so much more of just um, 
you know, what marketing and stuff is. And so I, I often tell my kids, you know, when you go to school, I would love for you to be a part of internships so that you can see, you know, how companies and businesses run and, and what, mm-hmm. how you can change that if that's something that's, you know, that you want to do. And so I always tell my kids that I think I was born to be a change agent. That's what we used to call it when I worked in the finance world in the bank. We were changing so much all the time that they would say, I need you to be a change agent, somebody that can change with the time, someone that can change with what we need in the industry. And so I'm grateful for those um, change agents, so to speak, in the industry right now that are sharing space with us, who are helping us, um, you know, so to speak, rewrite what it means to be beautiful. And so I, I believe that beauty is inclusive. And so I'm I'm waiting for the day that you can walk by a New York magazine stand and just see an array of color. And, and it just, it, that's my hope for my children. Julie, as we wind down our conversation today, which I would love to spend all afternoon <laughs> talking more because I'm really inspired. What do you, what inspires you about the future of of the industry? Uh, I'll say the beauty industry in general, but just kind of in general, because I think people are generally uh, op- maybe a little pessimistic these days. There's a lot of challenges, but what do you see as kind of inspiration for the future? You know, I think it is people like Cece. Um, I also think there's there have been some cases that have really changed the way big companies think about beauty. I mean, I remember sitting in industry presentations where literally people would say things like, oh, well, the darker the skin tone, the less likely they are to want to wear foundation. And thinking, is that right? I feel like universally, no matter what your skin tone is, you want to have beautiful skin. But it was just because they weren't buying the products that people were marketing towards darker skin. And you have to think about the whole, like, to me, I think now what we're doing is we're not just thinking top of funnel anymore. You're thinking about the whole experience. Like, is the person behind the counter or, you know, in the video or the content relatable? Is it something that they're going to feel like they can approach and say, hey, can you find something that works for me and for my particular, whether it's skincare or makeup or whatever it is for my particular um, personal needs? And I think I remember sitting in a panel once with um, the creative, former creative director of Fenty Beauty and saying thank you because you guys showed the, the beauty world that there is a market out there for women of all different skin types and colors and that it isn't just about what the research says is marketable. It's really about creating a product that is relevant and credible from somebody and a brand that's welcoming and a space that they can feel like they can come in and and be recognized. So I think what I'm excited about is that there has been massive progress in the last, I would say, probably three to five years. Um, I'm seeing way more female. I mean, that's one of the craziest secrets in the industry, how many brands are run by men, right, that are marketing to women. 
and trying to figure out what women want. Now you have women creating brands, running companies that are like, okay, this doesn't make any sense, right? Like this, it's not how you would actually use this. Like I remember having this conversation once where I said, why do all store designs have this like seated area with mirrors? What woman do you know who sits down to put on makeup. Like, I think there's this vision of men of like us in our negligees in front of like a vanity putting on makeup. We're all like leaning over the sink, <laughs> putting it on in the car. Like I said to, I said to a, a group of men, I was like, do you shave sitting down? <laughs> it's kind of the same idea. But you know, so many stores were designed by men. And then expecting when you go into like these old stores and you see all these seated like makeup stations and no one's at them. So it's, I think what I, it's exciting about is you're seeing that change and you're seeing voices of, let's say, the actual consumer um, working its way into not just marketing, not just pack, but packaging and uh, store design and messaging. And that's really exciting. I think the crazy part is, is there's way too much. There's a lot of noise. It's hard as a consumer to filter through what's going to be relevant to you. And that's where really trying to build this, this viral word of mouth in an authentic way is the biggest challenge for any brand to break through everything else because customer acquisition costs are way too high for a small startup anymore. So you have to be smart, you have to be savvy, and you have to try and find your people in a much more cost-effective, incredible way. That is incredible, incredible advice. I agree so with Julie. Yeah. I have to say one thing, you know, I admire uh, the brand Fenty so much. I love Rihanna. Um, I was reading another article that she's like a billionaire now. And that has a lot to do not with her music career, but because of the Fenty Beauty brand. And I grew up in a home, um, you know, my mom's black. And she often didn't wear makeup, not because she didn't want to, but because it was such a hassle for her to have to go to the beauty counter and to explain to somebody, you know, the undertones of her melanin. You know, in the summer, it's a little bit peachy and yellow. And in the winter, it's got a little orangey tint to it. You know, um, having to spend, you know, $60, $70 of three or four different foundations, having to mix them and put them together. You know, it was such a, a, a hassle to watch her try to beautify her wit herself. I mean, she's absolutely gorgeous naturally, but you know, now when we do photo shoots or we do our campaign videos that she was in, it is so amazing for me to be able to walk into a store, walk to the Fenty beauty counter and her be able to just quickly pick something out in her shade because she's already been color matched by myself, of course. And for her to be able to use that and it not cost her an arm and a leg. And that is ultimately our goal one day to be able to offer that same experience um, because indigenous people have the same, you know, the same, um, pigmentation in the melanin it's more orangey and a, a different shade of yellow that you that's not easy for you to mix even with fenty it's the closest that's ever gotten to our skin tones but they're still sometimes even myself i have to mix a little bit of something as opposed to having to mix five or six things it's just one or two things now and so 
I think that Fenty just completely hit the nail on the head. I think that they marketed um, or allocated their marketing dollars into, you know, something else, which is production of different shades and tones. And the funny thing is that if you think about cosmetics as a whole in the last 20 years, that could have been done 20 years ago. The formulations and the, the you know, the shades and the ranges were still the same 20 years ago. There just wasn't the spend on putting time into mm. creating those products 20 years ago. And so, but that's a whole nother uh, conversation about formulation and how long it's been around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to kind of close our conversation today, you, first of all, I think both of you really speak to authenticity from the heart, which I think people always are saying, define authenticity. It's about speaking more from the heart than anything else and being true to that no matter what. And, and I think putting that, putting, you know, your fan and they, and that person who's following your brand, you know, in the center and really understanding them and their struggles past current and future is I think really important to any, any brand. I always say that, you know, we talk to a lot of leaders across industries and some always talk about brand, but they don't understand truly what it means to invest and commit and engage and to julie's point earlier you know build that community that's what it's really all about well i want to thank you both again we i could spend all afternoon i'm sure everybody um listening could as well but thank you so much for uh just giving us some time in your lives and your experience and and sharing a perspective from from different sides of the world thank you for having me Thank you, Grant. And good luck, Cece. I'm so excited for your future. Thank you so much. Stay in touch. That's one thing that I, my husband often asks me how you have the energy to stay in touch with people. And I just love people. And when I meet people from different walks of life, I, you know, don't just have one conversation or talk to them one time. I, I like to shoot messages and find out how you're doing and what you're doing. And so I think that that you know, speaks to um, who we are as people and the human psyche of wanting to be a part of community and grow together. And so I thank you guys for this opportunity and um, I'll definitely stay connected and let you guys know about anything that's coming up and also watching you guys and what you do. You're also doing amazing work, so. Thanks, Cece. You can reach out anytime. <laughs> anytime. All right, thank you very much. Bye everyone. Bye.